Just a couple of words of introduction to the scripture before I read the temptations of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. I, I mentioned to you two weeks ago that I would return to this passage this Sunday. And I just want to tell you that personally, these verses offer some insight for me into one of the great paradoxes of our Christian faith. A paradox that in 451 at a council was made part and parcel of what the church stated as a part of their belief. And they knew it was a paradox then. They were just as bright and intelligent as people are today. They knew what they were doing when they lifted up this mystery, when they said that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Fully human, fully divine. Well, in the passage I'm about to read, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he experiences temptation. Fully human and yet remains completely, unequivocally faithful to God, fully divine. As you've heard us say in times before, the word devil is more literally Satan or Satan in this passage. And Satan literally translated means an accuser or an adversary. From the Gospel of Luke, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by Satan. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. Satan said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus answered him, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all authority, for it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, God will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. The sense of reading from the Gospel of Luke. May these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. I told you a couple of weeks ago I wanted to come back to this scripture passage. It was officially for the first Sunday of Lent, not the third. But I was thinking a couple of weeks ago, I had something else to preach on on the text of that Sunday, but I was preaching that it was just a few years back in this month of March that 35 members of our church embarked on a pilgrimage to Israel. 
and it was a remarkable journey. But when we were there, I remember being struck by how bleak so much of the landscape was. I mean, the desert there is dismal. It's not like Arizona, but it may be the most monochromatic place I've ever seen. And this grim and gritty sameness is broken. It's broken only by the thousands of brown-gray rocks as far as the eye could see. And I remember thinking as we stood on a as a group on a hilltop overlooking the desert, well, there it is, the barren desert wilderness. Maybe, nobody really knows, but maybe the area where Jesus was tempted. And I remember standing there thinking to myself, why would anyone go out into the wilderness? But we heard the story, right? It was the spirit that drove Jesus into the desert. But I've always imagined Jesus must have wondered, why am I here? What am I doing? What good can come of this? I mean, I have a friend who said, you know, going into the wilderness, whether metaphorical or literal, is not something you can put on your resume. It won't earn you a dime. And it probably won't make your life any easier. And likely, it'll make your life harder. I mean, let's face it. The wilderness, literal or metaphorical, can be a rough and scary place. And yet the wilderness is often where God clarifies what really matters. Friends, we're in the middle of the season of Lent. It's the first day of spring. But that is what the season of Lent asks of us. For 40 days, we are asked to go to a wilderness place and prepare ourselves for that impossible possibility of Easter. And that may be one of the reasons why Lent is not particularly popular. And I don't think this will come as much of a surprise to you, but Catherine, you can testify to this as well. The attendance at our Ash Wednesday services will almost surely be dwarfed by the attendance on Easter, right? That's because Easter is the celebration of the resurrection. It feels like a joyful party, but Lent, right in the middle of it, we're reminded that it's a time of hard work and preparation, clarification for what really matters. As I said, it's a lot of work. And who among us likes to well, likes helping set up for the party. Plus, wilderness experiences can be scary. But the desert is often where God clarifies what really matters. So as we stood on that hilltop in Israel, it struck me that the temptations Jesus faced for humans would be impossible to fully resist. Satan, his accuser, right, his adversary, even tempts him by quoting scripture. Satan is very biblically literate, hence the phrase, even the devil quotes scripture. And although Satan may know exactly where to open his Bible to, to put Jesus to the test, Jesus knows more than what the Bible simply says about faith and love. Jesus is what scripture imagines love and faith to be. We stood on the hilltop and I imagined this story from the Gospel of Luke. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't imagine out there Jesus standing with some, 
well, like 14th century image of a red devil with a pitchfork and horned ears and a tail. I imagine Jesus' adversary to be standing there in conversation with him to look more like, well, to look more like, say, the, the chief of staff of the regional Roman governor in Tiberias. Tiberias is the main city on the Sea of Galilee. It was the center of the Roman power. And we know the Romans were unhappy, annoyed, angry about the growing unrest that was being stirred up by this populist peasant from Nazareth. And I imagine the Roman governor sending his chief of staff to find Jesus, and they say he's out in the desert, and he finds him, and he, he has to talk to this peasant from Nazareth who had been witnessing to the poor, to the hungry, to the tax collectors, the fishermen, the servants, witnessing to those who had been broken by the grind of life and telling them that they were fully and completely loved by God. And even worse to the Romans, he was claiming that Caesar, the emperor, isn't God, which is a dangerous thing to say. But instead, the one true God would actually bring down the empire and raise up the kingdom of God where the lowly will be lifted up and the powerful judged. That's the kind of talk that can get you killed. The Romans were smart. You don't want to cause extra trouble right at the beginning. So I imagine Jesus' tempter, the governor's chief of staff, saying something like, listen, Jesus, can I call you Jesus? Is that okay? You're causing me a lot of headaches. I mean, here's the deal. You stop telling these peasants that they're more important to God than Caesar, and I'll make sure your disciples, who I can tell are pretty clearly hungry, will have plenty of bread. And even a bit more than that, when the harvest comes in, we'll get you plenty of grains, grains so that you can, you can feed these starving peasants who you claim are loved by God. If you agree, everybody wins. And if you think they like you now, if you feed them, <laughs> then they'll love you. And it's really easy. Simply stop talking about God's justice about lifting up the lonely, lowly. And if you do, you'll have plenty of food. Why, why as much and as many loaves of bread as there are stones in this crazy desert. And Jesus says, one doesn't live by bread alone. His adversary goes on to offer him power, authority. Who among us wouldn't negotiate just a little, I mean, give just a little for more bread for the hungry, to do good with authority. Yet each time Jesus' adversary tempts him with more, more bread, more power, more protection, Jesus says, I only worship God. No to the bread, no to the kingdoms, no to the angelic bodyguards. He is filled to the brim with the Spirit and will serve only the Lord his God. Fully human to be tempted, fully divine to resist it all. The wilderness is a rough place, 
And yet it is where God clarifies who you really are and what really matters. And I do think the wisdom about the value of the wilderness is just about lost. Well, lost certainly to popular American culture for sure, but perhaps being lost even to the Christian tradition that is charged with preserving it. Those congregations that still observe Lent may get a dose of this wisdom roughly around this time every year, even if Lent is sometimes reduced to cutting down on how many glasses of wine we have or skipping a dessert. But still, in that sacrifice, the kernel of wilderness wisdom remains. Many of you know that the word Lent literally means spring, and it's not just a reference to the crocuses finally pushing their way out of the ground in the season before Lent. But as a friend wrote, Lent is a time for the greening of the human soul. After having been pruned with repentance, fertilized with fasting, watered with confession, and mulched with prayer. Lent is a time that clarifies that which is really important. And as one preacher wrote, if you've already spent a lot of time and or a fair amount of money trying to acquire whatever it takes to grow your soul and you haven't seen any new buds, then maybe a spell in the wilderness is worth a try. And a spell in the world wilderness may be worth a try, not because your regular life is bad, but because you want to make sure this is your real life, the one God is calling you to, the one you long to be living. That's the gift of the wilderness. That can be the wisdom of Lent. Amen.